0: You know when people sit down in a job interview? You've been in a job interview before, right, Ed? I've, I've had a few job interviews, yeah. Right, and and they'll ask that question like, what's your greatest flaw? And and the thing that you try to do is say, I try too hard, you know? Oh, everybody does
1: that. Yeah, the, the I care too much. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it's obnoxious, but everybody does it. Yeah, it, it's so disingenuous. Right. Yeah, But anyway, right. yeah, where, where are you going with it? All right, well,
0: so I, it turns out that this week and last week, that's actually what I did. I completely wrecked myself. And I'm not trying to be disingenuous. Completely wrecked myself. We had something that came through the house, like a, like a virus of sorts. And I've been tested for everything from the flu to the COVID to whatever, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm clean as a whistle when it comes to things because I fought the thing off. The problem is that I can't say no lately to people. It's been like a big problem for me. So we had a charity event that was happening locally. And I was asked, would I jump on a Facebook Live and host like a live program, like a telethon? It's like, yeah, sure, it's for the kids, I could do that. And then uh, Brother Rice is having a brew and sip event. They're bringing all these breweries, October the 8th, over at Brother Rice, and they came to me and they're like, Chris, you got this podcast, you do Southside Pod, Uh, you run into all these breweries, you got Hailstorm Brewing as one of your sponsors. Can you talk to the breweries and see if we can set up this event? It's for the kids. It's like, it, it actually raises money for a charity that pays tuition for kids after one of their parents died, And I was like, oh, it's a good cause. So I start adding this to my plate. And Oktoberfest season hits. And we're at Pollyanna Brewing's Fest in Lamont on Saturday. And we're at Hailstorm on Sunday. And it's like event after event after event in all the podcasts. And instead of like resting while I was sick, I ignored it and was like, I'm going to push through this. I'm tough. I think one night I actually decided I was going to try to kill it with bourbon, which was a terrible mistake.
1: Not necessarily what you get when you go on WebMD, is it? You know, uh, you're feeling this, 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 and this. Kill it with bourbon.
0: The regular medicine wasn't working. I'm like, I'll kill it with bourbon because I got to make it to this and I got to make it to that. And I found out right after we recorded our last show this week that I had destroyed my body so terribly that now I had a wheeze in my lung and I was put on uh, uh, antibiotics, uh, an inhaler, and steroids. Ooh, steroids! Yeah, I'm three days into my steroid regimen, so I'm I'm good to go. And you've got go. 68 home runs. Oh yeah, if I hit, if seriously, if I could stay on a steroid regimen, I could hit 73. I believe and that's why I think Aaron Judge, if he hits 62, is my home run champ, right? I mean, like I, I'm getting tired of Twitter trolls. I know this isn't a White Sox thing, but I'm getting tired of Twitter trolls trying to act like it's wrong to be excited about Aaron Judge because I don't look at McGuire or Sosa or Bonds as legitimate single-season records because I know that they did something wrong. And if I ever find out that Aaron Judge did something wrong, I'm back to Roger Maris, right? But Roger Maris has always been, since all the steroid stuff came out, my home run champ. And if Aaron Judge breaks it, and he might have broken it by the time you listen to this, right now he's sitting at 61 as we're sitting here— He's my champ, and I think it's cool to be excited about it and to enjoy it. It's kind of fun, especially in a year where home runs are down across baseball. He's doing that. That's amazing.
1: That's the amazing part about it. And you're right. We, we as fans, as baseball fans, we've been sitting here for now a decade, a good solid 10 years saying, what do we do with the guys from the steroid era? What do we do with Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds? You know, these guys that have all been, been outed as guys that, that were doing something that enhanced their performance that's why I call it performance enhancing drugs because it did. it allowed them to recuperate faster it allowed them to continue to maintain strength and quickness in their swing in in ways that heretofore had not been allowed by you know medical science uh, you know in terms of what was legal in baseball. So we've been debating their whole Hall of Fame credentials even though all of them have you know Bonds is your all-time home run leader. Uh, you know, Sosa is up there and, and McGuire's up there. And these were guys that were really good players going into that steroid era. But if we can't agree that these guys are actual Hall of Famers, if, if that's the debate, then why not have the records sit there and be as suspect, especially when Judge has done it apparently cleanly in an era where the ball was not flying out of the ballpark because nobody's chasing Aaron Judge the way, let's say, Sosa and McGuire were chasing each other in 98, right? There's nobody on his heels where we're getting down to this part of the year, you know, one fifty-one uh in terms of the number of games, and you know, he's just hit sixty-one while you got somebody else right there with you know with fifty-six, you know, it's starting to fall behind or something like that. No, it, it, it's it's Aaron Judge's show. And yeah, you know what, if you're a White Sox fan, you gotta look for something to look forward to these days. So why not cheer on I know he's a Yankee, I know he's the enemy, but why not look for something cool like that? I was actually happy about Albert Pujols, too, hitting his 700th. I, that's that's a cool thing to see.
0: Yeah, it is a cool thing to see. Uh, reminder for you, Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Remember, if you mention Socks in the Basement, you get money off, see all they have to offer, and see what a difference a family makes at familydry.com. Give them a call at 708-330-4466. I always fall back on a single season of a ball player back in the late 90s that everybody forgets about whenever anybody tries to point out that steroids probably didn't have as big of an effect as you think it did, right? Like, you have a whole generation of fans that missed this when it first happened, and we watched it in person, and we were fooled like everybody else. We just thought, yeah, man, these guys are swole. Like, right? I mean, they're just, they're just big.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it, was just, it was just a new era of... You know, hitters understanding how to hit better, and guys that just they maximized their workout regimen and just became stronger. We just had bigger, stronger athletes, and it was across a number of different sports too. It wasn't just baseball,
0: right? But the but the guy I always sit around and I laugh about is Brady Anderson. Do you remember him? He was <laughs> oh, yeah. He was the
1: outfielder yeah, for the Royals. Orioles. Outfielder. Right. He's he went a- from being a a. Maybe doubles warning track power leadoff hitter to all of a sudden hitting over 50 home runs.
0: Right. He had he had his three years leading up to the season we're talking about, 13 home runs, 12 home runs, and 16 home runs. And then in 1996, he hits 50. Then he goes back to hitting 18 home runs, 18 home runs, right. on and on and on. Right. I mean, like, like when he's
1: under suspicion.
0: Right, right. And, and, it, you know, and I don't think they ever proved
1: anything with Brady, but there were all those weird things that happened with individual players. And Ken Caminiti literally hit more home runs in the second half of a season when he admitted that he started using them than he had ever in a single season. Right. And, so, and those are the things. That's what
0: I point out to people when they ask, well, did it really make a difference? And wasn't everybody doing it? And the answer is it really depended on whether or not you had the money and the means to be able to hide what you were doing. And, and I think that not all the players were able to to benefit from it like other players were able to benefit from it and it definitely slanted the field and I as a baseball fan cannot accept cannot accept the the home run totals of Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa in the single season uh, Hank Aaron is still my all-time home run leader because the inflation of the stats it's bothersome okay and I can't I can't look at it as a baseball fan and accept it the same way that I accept stats that I don't see as tainted. I think every fan has a right to look at it the way that they want to look at it. Major League Baseball, I think, really dropped the ball. I'm not just flat out saying it. Like, it should be on the plaques. Played during the era of uh, steroids under suspicion or admitted it, and they should have put these guys in all Hall of Fame. I'm fine with putting them in the Hall of Fame. Just put it on the plaque. Historically, mark it. You want, you want to have a record book with all these single-season home runs? Historically, mark that those home runs are under suspicion. And then that way we can celebrate the judge thing just a little bit more.
1: You know, the other point, too, about about Major League Baseball marking this, and and I don't think that this is discussed enough either, is that whole era, that whole steroid era, should stand out as a warning to future generations of what can happen if ballplayers are allowed to manipulate uh, their bodies, are allowed to manipulate science and use it to mask their, you know, or enhance their, their natural given abilities where it's not something that is universal league-wide, because it will happen again. At some point, there will be some other thing. Now, in the future, it might be more like genetic manipulation or something like that, where, you know, they'll be able to hide the fact that your head is two times bigger than it was the previous spring training. You won't have something quite as obvious as a guy like Mark McGuire who had never been healthy for a full season suddenly being able to play a full season, things like that. But, you know, again, good luck, Aaron Judge. And if if the rest of... uh, Baseball wants to to help us all out with this. Um, Fastball's down the middle, boys.
0: at the place pregame postgame in game when the games are all over to hang out cork and carry at the park 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark and then of course the original location in Beverly at 10614 Southwestern Avenue that traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood two awesome places to go get a beer to uh, enjoy craft beers and traditional pints and full bars familiar favorites spirits wines And to commiserate with White Sox fans, to talk about the offseason, to get ready for the upcoming season. At Cork and Carey at the Park, they have the award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. And on Mondays when you dine in, you get two-for-one burgers. That's whenever the White Sox are not at home on a Monday. And, well, I guess that's coming up now constantly throughout the offseason. So now is a time to get over and enjoy that award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. And when you get the warm days, you can still walk outside on the patio. I, I think this is the the time, that outdoor patio in Beverly and the outdoor area around oh, yeah, the, the yeah. spot at the park when the leaves are falling and you can throw on the fleece or something like that and grab yourself a pint. It's the perfect time to head on out to either one of the locations. It's going to be a fun offseason at Cork and Carry, and check them out at CorkandCarry.com. You're talking about players uh, having an effect on their own bodies. Uh, Let's talk about how White Sox players made poor decisions with their bodies. I I mean, Lucas Giolito has now talked more and more about the fact that if he wouldn't have been lifting so many weights and trying to get big, Maybe he wouldn't have been so bad this year. And Luis Robert essentially throwing away a second half of the season by pushing it with his wrist instead of letting himself heal. And I ask the question to you here. Sure, they couldn't control Giolito during the lockout, right? They, They really aren't supposed to have any contact with him. But on the other hand, come on now. You're telling me there's absolutely no way to just have a friend of a friend check in on him and make sure that he's not doing something stupid? You're telling me that you couldn't see what Robert was doing and you didn't You didn't have the forethought to shut him down, even if he didn't want to be shut down. I mean, who do you blame here? Do you blame the players or do you blame blame the organization?
1: Well, in Giolito's case, I blame the player because he's also not new to this. And he is very aware of the regimen that he had been on in prior years. He is very aware of what the Sox expectations would be of him. And he went out on his own and decided to do something because he thought it was better and clearly did not have you know, the proper guidance around him. So that, that is that is Lucas Giolito actively going out and doing something that that ended up hurting his, hurting the team, hurting his career to a certain degree, because now we don't know what to make of him again. And, you know, in, it, hopefully not in the long run hurting himself physically. Luis Robert, that's a tale as old as time when it comes to professional sports, right? Here's a guy on a team that's supposed to compete. Uh, he's supposed to be one of the key players, one of the key stars of that team, and he pushes it and you know the team doesn't necessarily shut him down I think it's it's a responsibility of the team if they know a player is really struggling to play it cautious with a guy and and if he's not producing and he's not clearly playing through it to just say you're going on the injured list you're going on the, the you know you're going to be out for a while we're going to get this thing right and the eye test told us that Luis Robert wasn't right that he wasn't Swinging the bat the way he normally swings the bat, that it clearly was bothering him. So that one, I put more on the White Sox because you have control over it, and I think I think this is this is this this weird thing that the Sox sometimes do where they cave to what they perceive as the public pressure. And when everyone's complaining that the Sox are injured too much, injured too much, they let a guy. I think they let a guy fool them a little bit uh, in Robert saying you know maybe underplaying how much it was bugging him. He was swinging with one hand. For weeks on end, it, it's it's it was just so 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 obvious. I mean, I I don't know. I, that one baffles me. I don't know why you do it, other than this idea that like ah, oh, we got too many players that have been injured. We can't we can't afford the PR hit of Luis Robert being injured again or something like that. I I, I and I'm I'm casting an aspersion there. Yeah, I really you are. am. I I really am because I, I I don't I don't know that that's true. But gosh, that's what it feels like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are because I mean, if that if that's true then again, that's another reason why everything's got to be cleaned out in that front office. Because at this point, I feel like sometimes they're afraid to make trades. Then they're afraid to to, to not make a trade. Then they're afraid about how they're going to handle an injury. If there's so much fear and there's so much worry about public perception and you're not making the decisions because it's the right decision to be made at the time and there's other influences, then you're too messed up. And you need to clean house and start over with a clean slate. And I want to go back to something... We talked about last week on this program because we got a lot of comments about the last show. Ton of listeners on it. I am I'm always impressed by the way that White Sox fans, in their darkest hour, will tune in and listen. Like in the off season, we always see a climb in the amount of people that listen to Sox in the basement. They just you know flock over here, and I'm sure they flock to other podcasts because people stop covering the team when it's over. It's over. And they stop. And there are Sox fans that want to talk about their team year round. There
1: is a. Bears train wreck that needs absolutely every bit of everybody else's attention right now. So
0: Right, exactly. So um, but on that episode, and if you didn't check it out, check it out on demand anywhere podcast can be found and always at socksinthebasement.com. You went into depth about why the White Sox should operate a little bit more like what the Indians did, especially when it came to their rebuild and how you felt like it wasn't a full rebuild. And we got a lot of comments. We got them online, we got people that reached out to us through socksinthebasement.com, and the general gist was well, you don't want to operate like Cleveland because they have a low payroll. People wouldn't like that here. And, you know, I don't want to see my payroll drop. I don't want to operate like the Guardians. Well, well, here's the thing. Your take on this makes sense. And I don't know if you you feel the same way as me. Your take made sense to me because I see it as, no, build your farm system and operate like one of those teams, but know that you can pump that payroll into the top five, like how they started this season. Then you're not really the Guardians you're closer to the Dodgers, the system, and the ability to pull out the checkbook. And if the right people are in place, you have the structure, you have the backups, you have the people that can come up when a guy like Robert does need to be sat down. You, you have all these things in place to continue to feed your team, and you can write a check, and you can go out and get the big free agent, and you can be in the running for the big names. They they should have that ability. If they were run properly, that's what they should be able to do. They should be able to do the things that the the tinier teams have to do to survive and build their minor league system and still be able to write a check. That's the advantage the White Sox should have. That's why it's maddening for White Sox fans to be in the, in the third biggest market in the, in the country, in Major League Baseball even. And you have the ability to write the check and you should be able at this point to have a structure in place to do the things that the smaller market teams do. And a good combination of that is exactly why the Dodgers are always good. A good combination of that is exactly why the Yankees are always good.
1: There's no reason why this team shouldn't be able to hang in there and do something similar. The list goes on. The Astros, the Padres are like that. Um, my point in using the Guardians, for those who heard the show and heard me go off, was not that I want to be the Guardians. I mean, I do. In this case, I, I would love the White Sox to have been the Guardians this year because they, they won the division and they're going to the playoffs. And they are a young, hungry team that, that is probably too young and stupid to realize that they should get you know blown out by one of the other teams in the playoffs. No, my point was twofold about using the Guardians. One is, here's a team that very recently did a full rebuild the way Rick Hahn, in his own words, said he was going to do. They did it that the right way, okay, where they took stars that they were going to trade away because they, they wanted to blow up the team that was not going to win anything, Use those established stars to get Major League-ready players to bolster their, their Major League roster with young talent and to help fill and facilitate adding to the farm system. But they also draft really well which gives you that sustainability. Rick Hahn said sustainable success. Bob Nightingale is saying we might blow it up again and tear it down. That's not a rebuild. That's not sustainable success. Building it up and tearing it down is not sustainable. So, yeah, the Dodgers always have some guys coming up from the minors. They scout well. They have pitchers that come up and and flex out of rotations in in the minor leagues into the bullpen or vice versa. Uh, They have guys that come up and fill roles and are young players that they sometimes then turn around and trade for other young players or to fill other needs. The Sox can't do that right now. The Sox trade a young player right now. Who are they going to trade? They're going to trade somebody off the major league roster that's going to create another hole that they're going to then have to subsequently fill. So we're not sustainable. But yeah, the Dodgers are a great example. The Padres the past couple of years, starting with Manny Machado, overpaying for Eric Hosmer, uh, you know, being able to take on Hugh Darvish's contract, being able to take on a, a contract for Mike Clevenger, but still having top-end, high-end prospects to turn around and trade when they needed to do something like get Juan Soto and Josh Bell, right? This is a team with a high payroll that was still able to turn around and have a good enough package to get the best player in baseball. That's a model that you're supposed to be going after. So, yes, I would love to be the Cleveland Guardians in terms of their farmer system, their sustainability, and the youth of the team because, to your point, yeah, then if you want to expand your payroll, which the Guardians can't, The White Sox can. They can bring in higher-end talent to then put them to the next level, to that Yankees-Astros level. Not where we're down here wondering if we're going to beat the Twins every year. Meanwhile,
0: I look at when you started the rebuild after the 2016 season, and I look now, six years later, and I think if they go 2-5 and here in the last seven games, it's the same record as 2016 when you were mired in mediocrity. I mean, at some point, it's time to admit the guys in charge— don't know what they're doing. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I mentioned at the beginning of the show how I've been fighting off this awful thing. I'm finally starting to be able to breathe okay. I spent the last couple days just basically just laying on the couch with a humidifier all hopped up on pills and and just trying to to survive hopped up on goofballs and manufactured steam oh yeah and that's when you start streaming shows right and i streamed right. a lot of really bad shows and i watched some ridiculous documentaries that might not have been true and you know went through twitter way too many times and it went down rabbit holes and i have nothing else to do right by
1: the way i love the tinfoil
0: hat yeah yeah, Ex- exactly. I actually watched the Twitter fight, I think yesterday or the day before, where as I went into the trend, there were bots fighting with bots and they were all saying the same thing just with different people tweeting out the exact same tweet. And then finally, Twitter took it down after two hours, went from being like the number one trend to not even existing. And I watched it live because I had nothing else to do because that's how crazy that that app is. But I did find a really cool show that I was I was watching. Welcome to Wrexham. This is the one that's got Ryan Reynolds and the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia who bought a uh, an English football team, so a soccer team for us here in the United States. They, they buy this Wrexham team. So if you watch this show, you get to see them from the moment that they they buy the team as owners and then they rebuild the team in the offseason. They try to do a quick rebuild. They, they put a bunch of money into the team. You see them have these conversations now about replacing management only seven or eight months after their initial rebuild and hiring like a guy who's their manager, their, their head coach, let's say, and they're having these conversations and they have a conversation with the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles about, you know, what's it like to fire somebody who you have a relationship with. And I'm watching this thinking to myself, gosh, I hope these conversations are happening in the white Sox front office or just with Jerry Reinsdorf and a friend. You shouldn't be talking to anybody else in that front office because they all should be gone. But when you listen to Jeffrey Laurie of the Eagles talk, here's a guy who's, a, you know, a billionaire. He's very much like a Jerry Reinser in terms of his 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 wallet. And he owns this team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And the advice that he gives these guys, he gives them like a litmus test of do you think you're moving in the right direction? You can have down seasons, but are you moving in the right direction? Is it bad luck? Is it a bunch of injuries or is it that the direction is not where it needs to be? And at that point, you have to get rid of the personal relationships and you have to move on from the people who you made the decision makers on your team. And that's the advice he was giving these brand new owners of this soccer team. It was such an interesting parallel to listen to an owner tell another owner who's new to a sports franchise how you know when it's time to get rid of your coach or your front office. And do you think this is a down year? And I guess that's the question, and I want to put myself in the position of Jerry Reinstorf for a moment and ask the question, is this a bump in the road caused by something else in which the team is still moving in the right direction for 2023? Or is the team moving in the opposite direction, which would then mean move on? What do you think when I put it in that perspective?
1: It's hard because you can look at the talent that the team has and say, if not for the injuries, they would have been much more competitive. You know, if Tim Anderson is here the whole season, if Aloy is here the whole season, if you don't have injuries to Lance Lynn in the early part of the year, if Michael Kopeck's on the mound this past month instead of, you know, having to fill in. Not that Davis Martin's been bad. Not that Elvis Andrews wasn't, you know, fantastic in replacement. But you can look at that and you can certainly say that this is a down year and and they might still be in the fight, okay? And you can also look at the whole Tony Larusa thing with – you know, his health clearly having an impact on and informing his managerial decision-making this year and his abilities this year. All of that is true, and you could say this is a bump in the road for a team that should be in its competition window. But I also don't see where the arrow is pointing up for this team. We're at the plateau of it, so at some point the bell curve goes down, right? This is where we started to identify where contracts are coming off the books, where guys are coming out of arbitration, where, you know, some of these guys are getting a little bit older and long in the tooth that are under contract. Some of our young players, our quote-unquote young players like we talked about, are really, they're really in their prime, so their chances of a huge upswing are starting to limit because this is the point where they are what they are, you know, and they can only go down. I don't, I don't see a huge upswing coming because I also don't see a next generation of, of superstar players coming up.
0: Yeah, but I don't want to hear the injury excuse because every team has injuries. I think the injury excuse bothers me the most because if the team was built properly, you would have a next man up and that next man up would perform well. Here's the thing. Here's the easiest way, I guess, for me to put this when, I, when I'm when i trying to, to look at it through the prism of is your team arrow pointing up was just, just a bump in the road. There are too many factors that we can try to find for why the White Sox... Played poorly this year and missed the postseason. The problem is, is that you have to start cutting down on some of those factors. And you can fix some of these things or or lower the chances of them happening if your organization is being run correctly. You can lower the impact of injury if you're structured properly throughout the organization. You can deal with managerial issues if you are hiring the right manager. What is your training staff doing? Are we, are we properly evaluating? You know, it's been a couple of years now with a with a slew of injuries. I, I think that you could sit there and try to say, well, this A, B, C, D, all these things are the reasons why we didn't win. But then somebody has to ask the question, well, why were we set up for all those things to happen? And could they have been avoided? And could we have set ourselves up so that it was less likely that some of those things would have happened? And that's why I don't see the arrow pointing up, because there's nothing that tells me that next year – I should expect anything less than all of those excuses popping up again.
1: Well, yeah, and, and that is that is kind of the crux of the problem, right? Are you coming this weekend? Are you going to be at uh, Open Outcry, our next stop uh, on
0: our Oktoberfest tour? We're hitting all these breweries and festivals, and we're, we're having a lot of fun, and I intend to be there. I, 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 I now feel as though... I'm on the back end of this thing and are, you, I are you asking to be there.
1: if socks in the basement can withstand a catastrophic injury to Chris Lanuti?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. We need to have enough depth around here for when I go down. That's that's it that's an <laughs> issue. We we need to work on our structure as well. Uh we were at Pollyanna. Out in Lamont, that gives me a good excuse to to mention the Village of Lamont. If you want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventure, visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore, and look for their next big event at lamontdowntown.com. We had a blast out there with everybody in, in the big field and venue that is the Forge in Lamont. And then we were at Hailstorm Brewing, the official brewery of Socks in the Basement, out on Sunday Sunday. But now this week, we're at Open Outcry Brewing, where they're having their first ever Oktoberfest right at 109th and Western. They got a rooftop. They got the the brewery pub uh, downstairs. They've got in the back a big tent uh, right off of Western Avenue. Incredible setup. I've already seen what's going to be there. Bunch of bands out there, German food, a bunch of different German beers, German steins. It's going to be a blast. And Saxon in the Basement going to be out there. Am I going to get you at this one? Because I missed you last weekend.
1: Well, I just wanted to stay away from all the funky viruses you're carrying I'm around. not contagious. The viruses are perched on your shoulder like you're a parrot Stop with it. a pirate. Stop it. Or now or I can't go. Now nobody will go if I go. Okay, so the, you have to go now. Now I'll stay home. You go. But you look much better. You look much better. You sound better. You, the viruses are gone. I mean, so, yeah, you know, I, right. I, think, I think it's safe to be around you finally. All right,
0: that's good. I'm coming off the IL just in time. I'm being activated for this thing coming up on Saturday, make sure that you get out there and uh, we're gonna have an absolute blast. And then the week after that, we're at Evergreen Parks Village Oktoberfest on October the 8th. So much fun going on here with Socks in the Basement. Remember to check out the website and learn all about the $1,000 guest bounty. Man, I'm just happy that I'm coming out of this now. This is my favorite time of the year, Ed. I need a break, I need to get out. I'm looking forward to Saturday and blowing it up.
1: Socks in the basement.